Thank you, Mama T, so much. You know, we heard from the, from the Reynolds girls in the presence of Jehovah and Mama T, God is our refuge. And two great tie-ins, two great songs together. Well, today, we are in about the third week of our family series, and we're going to talk about fox hunting. Well, well first off, you know, I don't have a lot of guns, so I, and plus it probably wouldn't be cool to bring a gun to church, you know. I know some of y'all like to shoot the preacher sometime, but... But, you know, so that didn't work out. And then I said, well, maybe I could wear something like, you know, like it would look like hunting clothes. And then I realized I don't have any. And, but I found this tie. Now, I picked the tie out first because it kind of matched the outfit, you know. But then I realized, wait a minute, that almost looks like camouflage. So, see, I almost am a hunter today. Almost. What's really cool, by the way, I told somebody, this tie was given to me probably 25 years ago. By a 75-year-old lady, I found it in my car, and not until right before she died did she tell me several years later that she had put it in my car. No one would own up. It's a Jerry Garcia tie. Wasn't he like the Grateful Dead or something? I'm one of those guys. Anyway, and so I guess when he gave up on rock music, he designed neckties, and I ended up with this one. And I always have special memories, and it's the closest thing I've got to honey. So today, in the, in the Song of Solomon, go ahead and find that there, around Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, the Song of Solomon 2.15, we want to talk about fox hunting. Fox hunting. Now, foxes are, are unusual animals. I've got three pictures here, if you want to throw one up there, Nancy. The first one, fox number one. There's a nice-looking fox. And foxes, they are cute, they're cuddly, they're, they're attractive animals. In fact, I was really grieved. I, again, I'm not a hunter, and I don't really like to kill things. And, but the, one of the first animals I remember running over was a fox. A fox. It really brought my, it looked just like that. that. Matter of fact, that may have been the fox. It may be the same one. I don't know. But anyway, foxes are very, very cute. They have beautiful fur. And, and, they're, and they're cuddly. Look at this next picture. All right? Yeah, look at that too. Everybody go, aww. Uh, foxes are saying, they, they, actually, the mouse don't think he's very cute right now. But he looks really cute. Okay, that's a mouse he's chasing. And the mouse is probably fixing to be lunch. But anyway, they're cute and they're cuddly and all of that. But there's one thing you've got to remember about a fox, and that's the third picture, is that is... They are a carnivore, okay? They are meat eaters. No matter how cute, how cuddly they might be, the bottom line is they are killers. They are killers. And so I want to talk to you today about the little foxes in our marriages and our life that, that destroy and kill, and particularly in a thing called marriage. Now, let me go ahead and read this verse to you, and then we'll come back and talk about some more. In the Song of Solomon 2.15, i got to tell you this. I am so grateful for Song of Solomon 2.15. Can anybody guess why? If you have ever read the Song of Solomon, it is a very explicit book. You need to read your Bible. So when you get home, go back and read the Song of Solomon. And I, you know, what I do is when I, when I do a scripture like we're trying to preach the Word of God in 2012, I kind of flip through. If, if nothing comes to my mind, I'll flip through a book and just kind of read and looking for something to jump off the page that God might say, share this with the people. So I'm flipping. Uh-uh. No. Uh-uh. No. 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 Uh-uh. Uh-uh. uh And I got all the way to the end and went, oh dear. You know? You've got to read the Song of Solomon if you never read. Now don't read it while I'm preaching, okay? But then I remembered Song of Solomon 2.15 and it says this in the New Living Translation. Catch all the foxes, 
those little foxes, before they ruin the great vineyard of love, for the grapevines are blossoming. What a nice, safe voice, uh, voice, verse. But let me tell you this. This thing is so full of meaning. It really, really is. And what's cool is, is that this verse is not talking about foxes. It's not the pastor trying to make something out of a verse. Okay? It's not talking about foxes. It's not talking about grapes. And it's not even talking about a vineyard. It's talking about two people addressing the potential for danger in their relationship. We don't know if the, some commentary said it's the man speaking to the woman. Some commentary says the woman speaking to the man. And at least one commentary said it was the two of them in chorus saying it's important that we catch these foxes, these little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of our love. For the grapevines, our, our grapevines of love are blossoming, are bearing fruit. Now I want to share something with you. When pastors preach... Sometimes we preach out of a victory in our lives. And sometimes we preach God burns our hearts and we speak out of, of, of something like that. And, but sometimes we preach out of need. And I told you this morning, I said, boy, my heart, you know, I, I, this is such great material today from the Word of God. But I was wrestling with the issue and then God used Judy in our Sunday school class to speak what I was trying to feel. She said this morning in Sunday school, she said, you know, concerning these issues that we're talking about, it was marriage issues. In our Sunday school class, she said, I don't want to be hypocritical in what I'm about to say because I've not arrived. And I said, that's it. That's one of the major reasons I'm wrestling with this material today is because I need to be very candid with you and tell you I've not arrived with this. As we take a moment and look at these little foxes that can steal our love and steal our romance and steal our loyalty out of our marriage, I realize, like, I'm going to be very candid with you. The one on time we're going to talk about. Really, I have not mastered in my life. And, and priorities, I, I wrestle with priorities in my life. And so there are some areas in my life, I can't, I would be glad to be sitting down and let someone else preach this message because I desperately need it in my life to hear it once again, what the Word of God says. So as you're receiving today, understand I'm praying that I'm receiving from God as He speaks to our heart. So in the verse, notice what, notice what the author says, whereas the man or the woman says, Catch all the foxes, those little foxes. Catch all the foxes, the little foxes. The, the author says it's important. Again, understand this is the context. This is not the way trying to make a sermon out of one verse. The context of this verse are two lovers saying we've got to be careful that whatever it is in life, that will seek to hurt our relationship, that seeks to hurt our marriage, we've got to get rid of those. Whatever it takes in our lives to protect our marriage, to protect our relationship, that's what we've got to do. We've got to find the foxes in our lives, the carnivores in our lives, that will steal away the love and the romance out of our lives, particularly in a marriage relationship. Because they understood something. Look what it says. Catch all the foxes. How many? Oh, oh, they were not willing to allow any of the foxes remain. That's what's hugely important. Catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love. There is a preemptiveness about this. You know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. What usually happens, can I just again be candid with you? What usually happens is there's marriage trouble. 
And either the wife finally says to the husband, I've had it. Or the husband says to the wife, I've had it. And then the other person wakes up and has a duh moment. And they wake up and go, oh no, what are we going to do? We run to the pastor because the pastor represents God. And we run to my office and say, I'm in trouble. My wife has said, my husband said, we've said. And, and what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, and I try to help. And I try to give counsel. Okay? But the bottom line is this. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. If you can get rid of the foxes in the marriage relationship before they have an opportunity to cause damage and ruin the relationship, you're going to be far above the game. It's so much easier. You know, I hope this isn't too graphic. But if you ever had a sore before, leave it alone. If you pick at it, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Leave it alone. The same way, a marriage, if we will take preemptive action, all right, and then keep the foxes out, will heal much quicker and be much stronger than a marriage where foxes are allowed to exist. So, so catch the foxes, not some of them, all of them, before they ruin the vineyard of love, before it attacks our relationship, okay? Because our vineyard is in blossom. Now, if you are a vineyard grower, and there are several uh, vineyards and down the Cobden area. I was down there doing a funeral uh, this week, and I drove by, and there's this vineyard and this vineyard. I'd say winery, but we wouldn't say that in church. Okay? There's this vineyard and this vineyard and this vineyard. One said we're the first original vineyard. There's just all these different vineyards down there. And you know what? I am sure there's some satisfaction in those people as they raise the grapes. I'm sure they go, look at this great harvest of grapes. I, I just do this for the grapes. No, come on. They do it for the money. Okay? They raise grapes because there's profit in raising grapes. The two people, the man and the woman, understand something. Listen. Their relationship, their commitment to one another is worth protecting. You have got to reach that point in your marriage. If any of this is going to make any sense at all, you've got to reach a point where you understand my marriage, my relationship is worth protecting. If you do not, then this sermon will make no sense whatsoever. I was sitting there and thinking these words. God, I wish, I wish there was a simple pill I could give every married couple here today. Just, I could give you a pill, and all of a sudden your marriage would be strong and it would be good. But you know what I just realized, sitting there, and it's true for me, is that I'm going to give you valid scripture today from the Word of God. And But what we do with that is our choice entirely. We didn't get to show the video today, but a strong marriage relationship is based on love and hard work. And what we do with the Word of God today will determine how it affects and applies to our marriage. So what are these foxes? It's so funny. I sat down and I came up with like three of them, four of them, and found one more in a commentary. I said, yes, that's good. But I want to take now, I want to, we, we stalk out the fox. We realize that the fox needs to be stalked and found out. But then how do you spot the foxes? What are the things in your life that if left alone, would impact your marriage in a negative way. As I did this, guys, here's what I realized. I came up with a list of what is probably the top five reasons for divorce. Did not set out to do that at all. 
I simply said, okay, what are some boxes that I, after 29 years of ministry and 36 years of marriage, what are some boxes that I know I see in people's lives, I see in my life, that can cause boxes to come in and destroy relationship? And inadvertently, I came up with a top list, a top five list of reason people end their marriage in divorce. The first one is this. These, by the way, are on your sermon sheet, and we'll have the scriptures up on the, on the sheet, on the uh, screen. The first is this. Loss of loyalty. Loss of loyalty. And I subtitled it Lust and Betrayal. Lust and Betrayal. And it's so funny. We're sitting here talking in Sunday school, and all of a sudden, someone mentions the L word. Loyalty. When they were talking about core values in their marriage, one of the things that was very important to one of those young couples was that they are loyal one to another. Now, obviously, the first thing we think about when we think about being loyal and lust, or when we think about betrayal and lust and the need for loyalty in a marriage, we think about affairs. And Judy threw this number out from Craig Rochelle, who got it from a reputable source, was that 70% of men, married men, will have an affair sometimes in their life, sometime in their life, and 60% of married women We'll have an affair. Now, now just line up in your mind if we take ten men out of our congregation today, because I don't think the number varies between in church and out of church, just like divorce. Take ten men that you know and line them up, and sometime in the course of their marriage, seven of them, seven of them will have an affair. Take ten women that you know and line them up across the front, and six of them will have an affair. And this fox is one fox. That literally will destroy a marriage. And if it does not destroy a marriage, the survivors of that will have scars of fox bite for the rest of their lives. This kind of a sin leaves a scar on a person's heart and life for the entire time. That's why Paul said, when you sin against your, you know, when you sin sexually, you sin against yourself. And you may lie and kind of eventually get over it. You may steal and eventually get over it. But when there's sexual sin, somehow it just stays with us. But here's something I want you to hear. As I was studying and thinking and crockpotting what I call crockpotting my sermon, I said, wait a minute. It's bigger than that. If we're going to be loyal one to another, it's bigger than just sexual purity. Guys, you've got to understand something. Your wife needs to know, and I'm going to preface this with a comment and then we'll touch at the end. She needs to know that, that she is your number two, with the number one being God. And when you say by your actions that I'm going down to be with the boys and you'd rather be with the boys than you would your wife, that's disloyalty. That's disloyalty. Ladies, when you tell your husband, I would rather hang around with the girls more than you. Now, I'm not saying you can't hang around the girls or hang around the guys. But if five nights out of the seven, you just assume being down at the garage or down at the bar with the boys, that says a couple of things and neither one of them are good. And when you'd rather hang around the girls than your own husband, that's saying a couple of things and neither one of them are good. It's disloyalty. Guys, when are we going to learn? That when your mother, the one who went through the valley of the shadow of death for you, diss your wife, that you do not roll over and play dead, but you say, Mother, you may disagree with her, but that is my wife 
and I will stand for her. Ladies, when are you going to learn? When are, yeah, I have to say you because I can't be me. Ladies, when are you going to learn that when your father dissed your husband, that you said, Dad, I love you with all my heart. But, Dad, that is the man that I chose and he chose me and I'm married to him and I will stand with him. To not do that is disloyalty. And nothing, nothing undermines a relationship like disloyalty. Whether it be the, the, the atomic bomb of sexual sin or whether it be a lifestyle that simply says this, you are not important to me. And it undermines. Now, Malachi... And again, it's the last, the last book before the New Testament in your Bible, kind of halfway through there. Malachi chapter 2 says this. And this is another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he, has no longer, he no longer respects your offerings or receives them gladly from your hands. So he's speaking, in this case it is a man. So God speaking and says, you guys, you guys, there's a problem. You go and you cry at the altar and you weep and you cry and say, Oh God, I just feel so far from you. And oh God, the things are going so well in my life. Oh God, and oh God, and oh God. And, and then the Bible says, Yet you ask, what's wrong? What's wrong, God? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have acted treacherously against her, though she was your marriage partner and your wife by covenant. God says, any, any supposing that you can just weep at the altar and God receive your sacrifice of tears and act treacherously against your covenant partner in life, it's not going to happen. It greatly offends God. And I will not point to that scripture and go to the women. But ladies, you know it's true. You know it's true. Husbands, if your relationship with your wife is sour, your relationship with God is going to be sour. And ladies, if your relationship with your husband is sour, your relationship with God is going to be sour. You cannot separate those two. God ordained marriage. God made one flesh. It's before God. And when we sour up a marriage this way, it affects our relationship with God. So can I ask you a question? Are you loyal? Do things come out of your mouth that cut your wife? Are there actions in your life that right now are showing your wife that you are disloyal to her? Are there things other than God that are more important than your wife? Than your husband? Then that's a fox. And that's a fox you need to shoot. What, what, what do you do, Dwayne? Whatever it takes. If you've got to tell the boys, boy, if, they'll say, well, you're handpicked. No, you're trying to be a man of God. If you need to tell the boys, guys, I love hanging with you, but there's someone that's more important than you that I need to hang with. And I'm married to her. Ladies, if, if there's something in your schedule with the ladies that's got to go because it's robbing you so much time and loyalty from your husband, are you willing today to shoot that fox and say, I'm going to show my loyalty by proving you are the most important thing to me? And if there's something else out there in your, in your life that's showing disloyalty, then that, shot, that fox needs to be shot. If you care about your marriage. If you care about your marriage. So, 
lack of loyalty, lust, and betrayal. Then we have the next box, and that is the tyranny of time, passions and priorities. Now, this is a big one for me. This is the one I wrestle with. Here's what I know. Whatever you invest time in is what you love. Whatever you invest time in is what you love. If you want to know what you're really passionate about, look at your calendar at your clock and it will tell you. Some, a pastor once said, if you really want to know what's important to a person, do, do the 2C check. Checkbook and calendar. Checkbook and calendar. They will tell you what's important. Now here's what I know also. I know this. That the squeaky wheel gets the grease. That we live in a world where the job and community action and all the different things that you've got all want a huge chunk of you. And consequently, there's not enough time, is there? There's not enough time, is there? Let me tell you, hey, before you go out and buy your wife a two-carat diamond ring, let me save you a lot of money. You want to tell your wife you love her? Give her your time. Before you try to go out and press your husband on Father's Day with a huge gift, may I make a suggestion? Give him your time. And I can say this now. If you really want to show your children how much you love them, give them your time. Yeah, when they turn 16, get them the car. If that's what you need to do, go ahead and do that. But a child knows a parent loves them by... And I'm not saying drag them to every activity. I'm not saying that. Give them your time. Find the time to do the little things that say, Hey, honey, I love you. Hey, son, I love you. Something I love that Jonathan does with with faith. They have daddy dates. There's times when, when he takes his oldest daughter, Faith, and they go to a movie, they go do out and eat, they go fishing, and I'm going, wow. Guess what Dwayne didn't do? Well... A little bit, but not much. How incredible. The tyranny of time. Here, here's what the Word of God says. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Pay careful attention then to how you walk. Not talking about this. I saw, I saw a thing on the news where they're now banning texting while you're walking because people are walking in the walls. Paul's not saying, be careful that you don't walk into a wall. The word walk there is the idea of how you live. Be careful then how you live. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Making the most of the times because the days are evil. Every day, guess what? There are people in here who make a zillion dollars and there are people who make very little dollars. There's people in here that can't afford a car and there's people here that's got ten. But there's one thing that's equal. Every one of us get 1,440 minutes a day. It doesn't change. No matter if you're black or white, rich or poor, or where you live, you get 1,440 day, 40 minutes. And Paul says, watch those minutes. They are the one thing you cannot go down to the stock market and trade get more of them. You've got to do the most with that time. Redeeming the time. And listen, doing the most means this. What's going to make the eternal difference? What, are you, what is your child going to remember about you 
when you're in a casket laying somewhere. It won't be my daddy bought as much as it would be my daddy did. Can I have an amen? Hugely important. And by the way, is this hard? Yes. That's why I wrestle with it. That's why David wrestles with it. That's why Brent wrestles with it. As pastors, we are pulled by three, three to five hundred people, depending on a given week. All those things, people have valid needs. Some of you work in huge corporations, valid needs. There are places of the coal mines. They demand so much of you. And they'll tell you this, if you don't like it, go get another job. I know it's hard. But with God, all things are possible. I want to tell you something. Me and Brent had a moment the other day. We've been together now. I've been here 12 years. He's been here, I think, 16 years. He walked in and we're talking. And I said, Brent, listen to this. I said, I've been here 12 years. And by the time I do this again, now it may not be doorstep, I understand that, but by the time I live 12 more years, just Twelve more years, I will be 70 years old in just 12 years. And your youth pastor is going to be 60 in 12 short years. It seems like yesterday I walked into that building and preached for you and you said, we want you to be a pastor. And we have walked together. It just seems like yesterday. And doing that again, I will find myself 70 years old. My favorite scripture to misquote and misrepresent in the Bible is this. When Jesus looked at Judas Iscariot and said, whatever you do, do quickly. He was talking about betrayal. I'm talking about life. Whatever you're planning on doing for God, whatever you're planning to do for your family, whatever you're planning to do with your kids, do it now. Because time is passing quickly. My daughter, Faith, just said, Dad, do you remember Faith? Do you understand Faith is done with Bible school? She's going to be a helper. Wait a minute. She was just born in 2000. Time flies by. 1,440 minutes a day. Redeem the time because the days are evil. Can I ask you a question? How are you doing on time? How's that fox doing in your life? Does your wife know you love her because you spend time with her? Wife, does your husband know you love him because he's, you spend time with him? Do your children know that they are important because you call and say, I can't do that because i got to do this? Nothing says I love you better than time. The third fox is this. Money. <laughs> I, call it, I call it financial fiasco. Stress and mess. You know, largely, our country went through this last recession because of what I'm talking about today. We, we got into a mess where, where people could get mortgages for houses, no matter if they could afford them or not. Can I just tell you this right now? Lenders are not your friends. They are there to make money. Okay? I still remember a car dealer. I was, I was trying to trade a car. I had no business trading a car. This is back when I was a kid. Just two years in the Air Force. I was 23 years old. And the, and the credit union said, we're not going to give you a loan. You got a perfectly good car. It just broke my heart. You know what the car dealer said? Don't you worry. I'll get it financed. And you know what he did? 
And my payment went from $83. I know that's not much, but this is 1973. From $82 to $134. My interest rate went from something like 6% to 11 or 12%. Oh, he got it financed for me. And you know what? I carried that car in bondage for the next four years. The Bible says this. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. If you want to put your marriage in stress, just get into debt. If you want to get your marriage into stress, just get into debt. I mean, who would want to drive a nice car? Who would want to have a nice home? Who would want their children to have the nice car in the parking lot? But if you do that at risk of placing your family in financial bondage, the cost is too high. Debt, money stress, is one of the largest causes of divorce. I remember my mother and father, and I don't remember them fussing very much, but you know what it was about when I heard it? Money. They knew more, they knew more financial companies, loan companies, than they had children. We had eight. Be careful. How do you do that? I've not found a better way yet. But the answer is learn to say no. Learn to be content. Learn to say, no, we don't need that. Are the Joneses here today? Quit trying to keep up with them. Okay? Quit trying to get... There's some Joneses over here. I saw Stephen. That's the Lewis's. Anyway, they're here somewhere. I saw Marcia. All right? Watch out for bondage. Watch out. My, my, my sub-point was mess and stress of money. Learn to say no. And you know what? There's not an easy way. It may require you having a credit, bar, credit card shake and bake. Put your cards in the oven and cook them. Come on now. You may have to sell a car to get rid of a $500 car payment you can't afford. And yes, you may have to take a loss on it. But I'm going to tell you something. Now, Judy and I, I can honestly say, Judy and I have not been in huge bondage, but we had enough to fill the chains back about 10, 12, 15 years ago. And you don't know how cool it feels to say... Do you want to go out and eat tonight? And since there's money in the miscellaneous envelope, you can say yes. And they're right, Judy. Feels pretty good. I don't have to whip out Mr. MasterCard or Visa because Mama's got the money envelope. I mean, it's cool. Now you have to whip out the debit card. Remember money? That green stuff? How's that happen? You learn to say no. And the freedom is incredible. So let me ask you a question. How's your debt load? Actually, bigger than that, what's your attitude toward money? Is money the God or is money a tool? Is your debt load so heavy that you're worried about where the next meal is going to come from? The next payment's got to be made? Do you and Mama talk more about money than you do I love you? Then that's a fox that needs to be shot. Then we come up to rancid romance. I worked hard on these. Rancid romance. 
I bet you can figure this out. Get a loss of loyalty, the tyranny of time, the financial fiasco, and you will have rancid romance. Now, if I were to ask you, ladies today, is there romance in your marriage, you'll be the answer yes or no. And if I were to ask you, ladies, and when exactly did the romance die? Chances are you can point to a day and say, this is when it died. Ask a man that, and he goes, romance? It's like a Baptist in change. Change? How many Baptists to take change light bulb? Change? <laughs> a woman can tell you because she's driven by romance. And nothing kills romance more than this thing of stress. This thing of busyness. This thing, this thing of bondage. See, we've been learning in Sunday school, and it's a cutesy saying, okay, I admit it. That marriage is not about me, it's about we. If in your marriage you count yourself as more important than your spouse, you are in deep weeds. In fact, the Holy Bible teaches us, the Holy Bible teaches us that it's not about us, it's about Him and the others. Can I have a witness? And yet in so many marriages, it's about me. It's about what I want. I love the story of Abram. Now, I don't have time. I won't take the time. But Abram was a guy from a long time ago. Okay? And God just chose him because of grace. Okay? You know, God said, Most, or Abraham, I want to make something great out of you. All you got to do is follow me. And he's okay. I'll follow you. And he takes off. And he's going down to Egypt where he shouldn't have been. He just shouldn't have been in Egypt. All right? So, Sarai, his wife, is like incredibly good looking because the Bible tells us so. And so, he's afraid that when they get down to Egypt that the Egyptians will see her and go, Whoa, Mama. And because she's married, will kill the husband so they can have the wife. That's the problem. So here's the solution. When he, Abram, was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I look, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, This is his wife. They will kill me, but let you live. Please say you're my sister. Now, don't you that may feel good? Have you met my sister, Sarah? Okay. Please say you're my sister, so it will go well with me because of you, and my life will be spared on your account. In other words, listen, say you're my sister and not my wife, that I might be spared at your expense. How much in your marriage is at the other person's expense? How much of their emotions and life and all of that is at their expense? Marriage is not 50-50. Marriage is 100-100%. Huge, guys. Huge. The romance in your marriage is found when you understand that the other person is more important than you. And that's hard. You know why it's hard? Because of the tyranny of time. You know why it's hard? Because of the financial fiasco. You know why it's hard? Because of loss of loyalty. That's why it's hard. But romance is essential to the marriage. One more. The last box is this. Uns and O's. 
Here's what Romans chapter 1, verse 31 and 32 says. Describing a group of people. Undiscerning. Untrustworthy. Unloving. Unforgiving. And unmerciful. Now again, that is, that is Paul describing the world. The natural man in his state is exactly like this. Undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, and unmerciful. But the problem is... In today's world, that often describes a Christian. It often defines the people that go to church every week. We we find ourselves as lacking discernment. We we find people that are untrustworthy. We we have marriages where there's not any love. We, We find spouses that will not forgive one another, unforgiving, and there is no mercy. And that's a fox that needs to be shot. That is so opposite of who Jesus Christ is. And look what it says in verse 32. He says, Who, those people, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Paul says all these unpeople that should be out in the world God's people know about it. They do it and approve others doing it. How crazy is that? Can I ask you a question? Are you merciful in your marriage? Is there love in your marriage? Is there peace in your marriage? Can your husband or wife look at you and say, I don't know a lot of things about him or her, but I can trust them. I can trust them. If not, that's a fox that needs to be shot. A marriage where there are these things listed is more than on dangerous ground. It's probably halfway in the grave. So, how do we shoot the fox? How do we shoot the fox? This is where I wish that simply being here today and hearing God's word... We'd all walk out and have better marriages and everybody be happy and everybody goes, that, I tell you what, amen, that's awesome. And all of a sudden, you know, it's just all fixed. You know that's not true. I told you last year, just coming in here in a message does not change you at all. Applying the truths that you hear is what changes us. Amen? I dare you to clap. I dare you to clap. I dare you to clap. See, guys, I love you with all my heart. As your pastor, I struggle with some of these things. And I'm so sick and tired of seeing Satan win and win and win and win. I'm ready for a little bit of victory in our lives. It's on us. The short, listen, God's hand is not shortened to save. It's His people saying, okay, God said it. I'm going to believe it and practice it, and that's it. I don't care what my neighbor says. I don't care if he doesn't love me back or she doesn't love me back. I'm sold out. I'm in. I'm not going to shut up or back up. I'm in for the long haul. That's what I'm talking about. There's no magic pill, guys. A counseling session with the best counselor in the world is not going to fix your marriage unless you apply what the counselor says 
assuming it's a Christian counselor. I hope you don't go to anything but Christian counselors. I can give you the formula. I can give you the verse. But what you do with it today is totally your call. What I do with it today is totally my call. Jesus gave it in answer to a question from a Pharisee. This person said, so what is the greatest commandment of all? And in giving this answer, Jesus tells us how to shoot the foxes. Here's what he said. It's in Matthew in chapter 22, verses 37, 38, and 39. Jesus said to him, now listen, you, who's speaking? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There it is. That's the fox shooter. You are to love God with every ounce of your being. No reservations. Totally sold out. And you are to love your spouse, your husband or your wife, as you love yourself. Now I'm going to make a pretty brash statement. I, if I were a betting Baptist, I would wager that if we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with our mind and strength, and we love our spouse as ourselves, that we would have one incredible marriage. And divorce would never become an issue. I told you this before, and I'm going to tell you now. I've seen lost people get divorced. I've seen one sold out and one not get divorced. But I've never seen two totally, completely sold out disciples of Jesus Christ divorce one another. Someone is not right. You cannot be totally devoted, sold out to God and treat your spouse any other way than Scripture Dictates. Impossible. Dwayne, are you trying to tell me that if my marriage is in trouble, perhaps it's me? Uh, yeah, that would be the point. Are you saying, Dwayne, that, that if I don't love my wife like Christ loved the church, then it's me? Uh, yeah, that would be the point. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I'm saying. Are you saying, Dwayne, that, that I can come to church and be carnal? And not to love my wife or my husband like I should? Yeah. I mean, like I say, sleep in a garage does not make you a car. And just coming to church does not make you spiritually deep. You've got to be willing to shoot the foxes. And it is us. Now, here's the incredible part. God, because He loves you. If you're willing to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, and, your, and others as, your, as yourself, okay, God will give you the gun, He'll give you the bullet, and He'll help you pull the trigger. 
But you've got to pick the gun up. You've got to point it. And with his assistance, you've got to pull the trigger. That's it, folks. We can walk out today and say, nice sermon, a little long, but nice sermon. Okay? Thanks, Dwayne. Appreciate that. Or we can look Satan in the eye and say, enough. I want to go fox hunting today. And I got some foxes, and today they die. You're willing to get your gun and say, in the words of Clint Eastwood, go ahead, make my day. Today is the day. And you're going to refuse to hear these words in your head. Yeah, but it's his fault. Yeah, it's her fault. If he would, if she would, if they would. It's between you and God. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. This is not a physical battle. It is a spiritual battle. Listen to what Paul writes. I'm done. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or not flesh, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. God will give you the gun. He'll give you the bullet and help you pull the trigger. But it's your choice. Would you bow your head, please? Probably not this way, but the Holy Spirit right now in every believer's heart is probably saying something like this. So, you want to go hunting? Our men incredibly look, incredibly look forward to deer season. They want to go out and tag the buck. There will be no greater trophy men on your wall than the heads of the foxes that still your love for your wife. Ladies, you want to go hunt today? There will be no greater mount on your wall than the head of the foxes that steal your husband, your love for your husband. I would like to pray for us today. And Brother Brent, we'll be standing down front. If we can pray for you, we want to do that. But I acknowledge today that this is business you've got to do in your heart. If you want to come to the altar, that's incredible. But this has got to be done in your heart. And frankly, it's probably not even a couple decision. It's an individual decision. It's an individual decision. Now, God, I thank you for the incredible privilege of teaching your word today. And God, you know, as I confessed, that some of these things I wrestle with, so I am able, Father, to really identify with my brothers and sisters in Christ today. And Father, the truth is that if there are no foxes now, there could be a fox tomorrow. The truth is. We need to be on constant alert to guard and protect our marriage at all costs. And I want to thank you, God. You spoke to a young virgin girl one time. And she said, how is it that I could conceive and bear a child since I've never known a man? And you said to her, Father, that with God, all things are possible. And I'm going to claim that promise and that principle, that promise, 
today for me and for my brothers and sisters in Christ that all things are possible through you. Please have your way in our hearts. And Jesus, I want to pray this in your precious name. Amen.